Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to the Starting Nine podcast with me, Rich Lee. Today's is the first midweek episode, the first one that is out of the ordinary, that isn't coming out on a Monday, and is designed purely to give you yet more behind the scenes of the Starting Nine podcast. It is again with my very, very good friend, Stokes, who is embarrassed at all the attention. You know, he's getting mobbed in the street, he's getting knickers thrown at him. He's just a celebrity. What can I say? We're kingmakers at the start of nine. <laughs> but no, he's. Uh, I think he's incredibly embarrassed actually at the, the fact that it has gone down well. I've been getting lots of lovely messages, and I've been and I've been sure to to send them on to him. And he is back in this episode. As I say, we go through questions from him, questions from listeners, and it is a shorter episode in lieu of the final, final, final episode coming next Monday, where I'll go behind the scenes, telling you all about interviews with Calder Wood, MBE, Mike McCarthy, Sean Conway, Dan Norton, Charlie Mullins, OBE, that's a good one, and Susie Chan, rounding it out, bringing us to the end of our guests for Series 1. As ever, thank you very, very much. Come find us, Starting Line Show, on all of the socials, or Starting Line Podcast on all of the other ones, say hey, email hello at startinglinepod.com. If you get in with a question in the next few hours, so this is going to be coming out on Thursday, if you get in with a question before Thursday evening, and this ages it, but it is what it is, if you get in with a question quick enough, then we can record it tonight and answer anything you want us to speak to. As ever, subscribe if you haven't already. Any and all reviews are read, are appreciated, are lovely. You'll hear me again at the end of the episode, but for now... And for the second time, without further ado, I bring to you my conversation answering his and many of your questions with Ashley Stokes. Let's get to some listener questions. Let's get to some of your questions. Do you want to start with a question from you? 
So I've penned a couple of questions, um, mostly because I want to sort of peek behind the curtain and, and sort of see what's um, you know what, what it's like to be to be a podcast host. But and I think you, you've alluded it to to it in in um, I believe it was the Shabir episode. But you've been talking about starting a podcast ever since you fell in love with podcasting when you started listening to to Tim and Tom. You know everything's gone on over the last few years that have meant things like running an agency is really challenging. And then, you know, with kids going into different phases of their life, that's challenging, you know. So I'm just interested, after all these years, why now for launching the podcast? Why not five years ago? Why not two years from now? What what was it about now that made you want to want to go for it? I just finally got bored of hearing myself talk about it. And I think... The, the last couple of years, as you rightly say, COVID, post-COVID, you know, PR, marketing, advertising as industries have really struggled throughout it. And I, you know, the company got to a, a fairly decent size and I found myself still unfulfilled, unhappy. And yes, I know I was pulling a company, trying to lead us through an incredibly difficult time. Money for me has always been about financial security. And again, having been in a position where you don't have money, where you're sat with the electric off because, Christ, the emergency, you're pressing that button and it just won't come back on. Uh, so you're sat in the darkness and you think, this is shit. And as, you know, as I said in one, one, a recent one, and I've been very cautious of what I do say and don't say about my upbringing, but you know, when debt collectors come to take things, you, you recognise quite quickly, or I certainly did, that you know, financial security is massively important. So, yeah, cool, got that. Built, you know, built the company, working with fantastic clients, brands, family, all those things. And then I just got to fulfillment. And I was like, it's this thing that keeps coming up. It doesn't go from my head ever. I want to speak to people. I want to find out who they are, why they are, the way they are. My family, I don't think they'd be upset with me for saying, you know, they still have difficulties. And I think a lot of people do when, you know, when life's been tough. You know, it doesn't just go away. You don't just get to 30 or 25 or 40 or whatever, 60. And it's just all of a sudden, it just goes away. And you hope that you can be positive. And that's, you know, I mean, you've known me forever. I try to be optimistic and positive endlessly. Um, so I think for me, it was like, right, well, now's a good time. It's a bit of a love letter to my family, to my kids. This is what resilience and hard work and drive and ambition can lead to. And it can lead to success. It can lead to these people. And as I say, I, I was just speaking to people about yourself included about this and I'd find myself stopping myself actually speaking about it because I was like you've heard this 50 times you don't need to hear me talk about how much I want a podcast and oh I bought those mics that have sat there for six months 12 months whatever <laughs> so the thing that ended up actually starting this for me was I was introduced to somebody in PR called Nina uh, she introduced me to it sounds like a weird clang and I've said this on other things but a guy called Comedy Dave now, Dave, the comedy Dave, the comedy Dave yes. um, as in Radio One's comedy Dave, he was on the Chris Moyles show. I was introduced to him and it was very kind. And he, I, I talked to him about what I'm doing. I, I spoke about technical things like the mics and the mixer and, you know, what I'd record on and all those things. And then he said, so why aren't you doing this? I said, well, I'm a straight white man in his thirties. I was like, <laughs> You know, nobody needs to have another podcast from a straight white man in his 30s. And do you know what it is? Twitter. Like people getting on, I've been very active on Twitter. I've won a lot of business, you know, built, literally I'm I'm a knobhead from Gloucester that is in an industry that doesn't generally reflect me. And uh, I, I remember thinking, you know, seeing this negativity against people starting podcasts and, oh, why don't you go and start another podcast? So you kind of, you know, you, you, you soak that up. 
And I said, oh, yeah, sure. Basically, I just can't be bothered to put up with uh, being slagged off for trying to do something. And that's not me. That isn't me at all. You know, I mean, how many things have I started, well, this, failed? This is what I was going to say. <laughs> because I come from, I work in corporate where there's red tape everywhere. You've got to go through various forums and gateways and anything to get things approved. And so I've always been in awe about how, how sort of quick you move. You'll have an idea. And then by the end of the week, you go, yeah, so we tried it. Didn't work, but, you know. <laughs> and for me, that is, you know, normally it takes three, four months to get something pushed through yeah. in, in the world that I work in. And yet you're able to do things within a week and you, you, you're, you're not scared to take a risk. And yet this one... This one, yeah, it took a long time. And they've never been worried about failing. Never once. And it's like, oh, if it fails, it fucking fails. Although technically this is your second podcast. Oh, that's true. I did PR on a car. Yeah. Oh, no, see, I don't care that as a podcast. I was thinking more of your tips to service. (laughs) (laughs) Available on Spotify. It is available on Spotify still. I don't even know if my name's attached to it, but (laughs) did that for a a client thing during COVID. Christ, the things you'll do. That was for Cheltenham Race Week, wasn't it? It certainly was. Um, <laughs> I mean, it was quite good, I think. It was, it was I, all right. I followed some of those bets. Did they come in? Did they not? <laughs> <laughs> um, sorry, man. So in, in, in chatting to Dave, I said that, and he said, Rich, do you ever walk into a library and say, that's it, we've done it. We've got all of the books in the world that we ever need, all the authors in the world that we're ever going to need. Pack it up, boys, we're done. I had had a fantastic conversation. It was, and again, because all I do is quote podcasts. (laughs) So it was Rob Bryden. I can't remember who he was speaking to, but they were talking about this exact thing. So this person said, yeah, I'm just about to start a podcast. Mm. And Rob Bryden made the joke about, oh, another white man starting a podcast. But then what they got to was that- Cheers for that, Rob. When when TV first started, Mm. right? And everyone's on radio, there would have been exactly the same noise around, oh, what, do we need another TV show? We've already got two channels. Do we need another one? And now we've got hundreds of channels with hundreds of TV shows that cater to every audience, right? And we're just moving into that phase. So we've gone from radio to TV, then YouTube kind of popped up in the middle, and now we've got podcasts. So there's this aversion because it's like, why do we need it? In the same way that there's always a version to to a new media, and we're just moving through it. Because I, I love listening to podcasts. I think they're the most incredible. I mean, obviously I do, otherwise I wouldn't do it. But the most incredible medium. It's intimate, it's informative, it's in-depth. It, you can listen or watch. And again, coming back with, with video next series. Yeah. And then podcasts go on YouTube too and, and all those yeah. things. So it does cut across lots of different channels. But I think it's the most incredible medium. The most wonderful, easy to access medium. So Dave was incredibly supportive and made me think differently about it. So that was the difference. And then from there, actually I recorded with Dan Norton first. Yeah. Um, that was last year, 18 months ago. Uh, so he was- I couldn't ep- believe it was that long ago. So long, wasn't it? Um, so he was episode, I want to say 11. Well worth checking up with Rugby Star. Uh, the best to ever do it, Dan Norton, uh, Rugby Sevens. So he gave me his time and I was nervous as hell before doing that. Not because it's Dan, I know Dan. It was because- you think that you're putting on this outfit, you're putting on this, this is what a podcaster sounds like, and this is what one looks like, and this is one ha- how one acts. And I could feel it going back through that edit to pull it forward for this series. And obviously we updated the episode by then having a second conversation. You can be wonderfully unprofessional and still create something that sounds and yeah, feels it's very human. Isn't it? It's super it's human. It's very human. And I, I had to delete TikTok because that short form media is so addictive. Yeah. And it's just, I, I find it weird that they both exist in the same space. You can be addicted to TikTok 
and lose hours just looking at nothing mm. while also be captivated by a two, three hour conversation. Mm. I don't, I kind of don't understand how the brain can like both of those things. That's true. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, we're in a world where we love things to just be short and sharp. Yeah. But also we'll happily sit in this. It's very selective, isn't it? I guess that's the beauty of it is, you know, to the point of, you know, no, we're not done with books yet. Myths of PR. You can go and buy it now from Amazon. Uh, <laughs> PR bestseller. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, no, no, we're not done with books yet, but we, you know, for, for podcasts, there's something out there for absolutely everybody and it's finding it and, you know, it, and it, it might be interview podcasts like this one. It might be fiction. It might be, um, you know, just a, a comedy podcast. It might be, you know, there's, there's so many different kinds of things out there. And I just think that the barrier to entry is wonderfully low, but also the barrier to entry is wonderfully low, which means there's this paradox or you know, this, this incredibly difficult, there's too much choice. And Which is you, the problem we face in the world at the moment. You you're know, seeing that across all media though, try, right? Try and find a film on Netflix. Yeah. You spend half an hour trying to find it. Whereas if you were just watching TV, you go, so, oh, watch this thing. I do think podcast discovery is broken. I think, oh, not, Christ, it's not broken because it was never fixed. Podcast discovery is something that is a problem that still hasn't been looked at and really sorted out yet. I think that's why celebrity podcasts do well because then they announce it to their their large following. And again, I'm, I'm fortunate to have over 15 years of PR built a decent following of PR people, predominantly and intentionally so, that then translated to something that meant that I could bring on guests like we've brought on. Hopefully that answers why now. And and then the, the, ne- the next step, actually, just to, just to round that thought off, the next step was I interviewed producers. I went out. I said, right, I'm doing it. I'm going out with a job ad. Interviewed a load of producers and found... And I think that's, that's probably an interesting, you know, for, for the whole look behind the curtain thing, right? So when, when you look at YouTube creators, what you tend, the story you tend to hear is, I started making videos in my bedroom. I somehow figured out how to do video editing. I somehow figured out how to do a little bit of marketing. And then I, and then I put it live and I hoped it would work. And I think a lot of people do that and that massively slows everything down, right? Yeah. You wouldn't be able to put out an episode a week if you were taking on the responsibility. And I think your experience of business and, and everything that you've done up to now, I don't think the thought even crossed your mind that I'm going to do this by myself. No, You immediately went, I can't go out and, and let, until I've got somebody who can support me and with the skills that I don't have. And I think recognizing that, that just shows, that shows that you've, you know, you've learned from experience th- in other areas. I mean, what's that saying? If you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. And you know, I bow down to experts. I know that I'm not, you know, amazing. At everything. If I want to be good at something, I'll be fucking good at that thing. And that's just a mentality I've always had. I'll be as good as I can be and I'll, I'll work, I'll, you know, I'll be the hardest worker in the room, but I don't think I'll always be the, you know, the, the, the smartest or the most capable. The second that I realized that I needed to bring somebody into support on this, I'm almost to share the load and make it a real thing. And then I went through the process of, you know, creating the assets and, and learning. It's all been a learning process. That's so, serious one for me. So it's a great way to hold yourself accountable, right? Yeah, 100%. If you've said to somebody, I'm going to pay you X amount mm, to, it's a, uh, it's a job to do it, I mean. and then you go, oh, I don't fancy doing one this week. Yeah. You know, easy to do if you're in control of it yourself. Yeah. You've got to just have a week off. But actually when someone else is reliant on you, you've got to step yeah. up, you've got to do it. Very, very true. So yeah, hopefully that answers question one. <laughs> question one, what we like half an hour in? <laughs> <laughs> 
would you like another one from me or would you like Let's go a listener question? A listener question. Listener question. Okay. So we got one from Louise who emailed in. Um, for, the, for the next one, you listen to this, it's hello at startinglinepod.com. Email in and then across the socials as well, Starting Line Show, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. You can tell that I've done this a billion times by now. And Starting Line Podcast on Facebook and LinkedIn. Thank you, please. Guys, because you definitely did that in the intro and the outro. Just in case we've all forgotten. Um, so, you cover a number of difficult topics in your interviews. How do you balance getting the answers from your guests while being mindful of their emotions while in the room? Pretty deep one, that one. That's a pretty deep one, isn't it? <laughs> so, it's a podcast where, of course, I'm, I'm by its nature, I am speaking to people about who they are and why they are who they are. And by that fact, you can get pretty deep pretty quick. I didn't set out to make this a Bleeding Hearts podcast. I don't want this to be a Woe Is Me podcast, interviewing people until I find the person with the worst life in the whole world and I say, here he is, this person, worst life. <laughs> you know, look at him. You know, that's not what this is about. It's about success and finding people with that drive, resilience, ambition, all of, all of those good things. Um, but what it does mean is that, yeah, we, we have difficult conversations sometimes and some that stick out. I mean, you know, Shabir's sticks out, you know, fleeing Afghanistan when he was 12. Mike McCarthy, um, you know, with his, his son having taken his own life. Some incredibly difficult conversations I had. And I guess I've always been one of those people, and you are this too, you are this too, where people come to you because you've got a kind face. You know, they come to you and they, they share a problem and you want to you wanna support them. I don't find it difficult to empathise with those people. I guess because I, I remember being eight, nine years old thinking, somebody has it worse. You know, somebody's got it worse than me right now. And I think that ability to step outside of what, again, in my, you know, I've just done 36, I look back and I think, no, that was pretty bad. You know, like there, there are aspects of that, that that weren't okay. But at the time I was like, nope, somebody's got it worse. So whatever somebody's gone through, I think there's a degree of empathy. And I think I try and bring that kindness to, to a conversation and give people the room to speak. You know, this isn't therapy. This isn't me. You know, and how did that make you feel? It's how did that help you as a person on your path to whatever you want to do? And the three things I'm realizing people have in them that I'm speaking to, it's obsession, it's curiosity, and it's resilience. Every single person I'm speaking to has an amount, you know, has a large amount of each of those things. They get obsessive. I remember being 20, 21. I'd know every PR agency in the country. Everybody that worked there, every campaign they did. I started something called PR Examples that essentially was a compendium for the PR industry. I, I wanted to be, you know, I was obsessive. And then I'm slowly realizing that all these people, they're curious. They want to know, you know, why does that work the way it does? So how do I deal with, how do I deal with upset in the room? Well, I'm just a human being. And I, I, I just think... You know, we're not here. Um, this isn't a shock podcast. I'm not trying to get, um, this isn't, you know, Piers Morgan's life stories. And, and by the way, I think he's a fantastic interviewer as much as people might, you know, might not like him, his style, but his ability to... Long form. Long form Piers I Morgan like is 10 form. times better than short form Piers yeah, Morgan. Exactly. hundred times. He actually lets people talk. That's my, that's my issue with him. But yeah, some of the long form stuff, he does actually allow it, um, allow them to, to respond to his questions before barking something else in their face. Barking. I mean, that's true. It's fair. Um, so, you know, I, this isn't about getting tears. This is about getting, getting to the heart of who somebody is. And sometimes that means going through a difficult part of their lives. Do you find 
when you do get to those sensitive topics, do you find you, you then follow up questions have to be a little bit softer to bring them back from from that emotional state? Um, or or to do, be honest, do, you, do you find conversation just naturally flows out? It's just, I don't go in with, I, don't, I go in with a lot of research. I don't go in very often with preset questions. So I, tr- I try to let them sit in that moment a little bit. I'm not afraid. This isn't radio. I don't care about dead air. Yeah. If there's 20 seconds where that person's collecting themselves, I'm going to allow them to do that. And you might get something more out of them that allows us to see who they are and why they are who they are. And again, that's, you know, it's not about these gotcha moments or this, you know, I think this is going to do, do brilliantly on social media. It's, this is raw. I'm having a human to human conversation. I don't think we speak to each other enough. I don't think, I think, I think conversation is the, is the only way that minds get changed. You know, you could, you could say conflict, but does conflict really change minds or does it force you to ascribe yeah. to a certain way of thinking? Dig heels in deeper, I think. Dig, of course you do. So I think conversation is just this beautiful way and podcasting is the perfect medium to understand who somebody is. So a follow-up question from me, just based on our conversation. So that you've got a great mix of guests, haven't you, where some will be very used to doing sound bites and we've mm. told their story a hundred times. There's other who others who may not have had an interview, like a proper interview before. Yeah, certainly so, not one like this. So, do you find have you, have you noticed that there's a difference in how they react to that emotion, or afterwards, whether there's like a cathartic effect for the ones who haven't had to go through, haven't had to talk about it a hundred times, versus the more media trained? So it's hilariously you can tell when it's stock answers, and more often than not, I've already heard that answer two or three times because I listen to them on other things. Got you. So the second I hear that, I know that it's not it's not going where I want it to go, because I don't just sometimes that stock answer is okay because it might be that they've condensed this aspect of their life into a twenty seconds, te- you know, story, or into a two minute story or whatever it is. If I hear, and you hear it straight away, you hear these keywords, you hear them lean into it. There's a way of breathing even some of the you know some of the guests have before they launch into a story that they've definitely told on other podcasts or to the media or you know on TV interviews or whatever it is. You can hear it. You know it. However, it, it's then about trying to take the conversation in a slightly different way and surprising them with a with, with a question. I, I love, my favorite thing is somebody saying, nobody's asked me that before. Yeah, you've had a couple of those. Yeah, yeah. I've had a good few of those. And I, I love that, it. That shows the research you've done though, right? Because I imagine I hope so. a lot of, a lot of the, the, like the media junkets, it mm. is going to be the same questions. They don't really care about the person. They just need to get the, the key points out. Yeah. You clearly done your research, and you're gonna. You want you want to come in. I know who you are as a person. You want to come in and make an impact. And go, I know you've been asked this a hundred times. So actually, I'm gonna I'm gonna come at it from a different angle. Yeah. And yeah, you can see how they respond to it, which is great. Yeah, I'm, I, I just like I think it comes from a genuine want to understand who that person is. Mm. I want to know you. You know, like I'm endlessly fascinated. As I say, it's, you know, and and it's not just with people. It's with things. I don't know. And you're the same. You know, it's, it's like, okay, well, I don't know why that thing works like it does. I, I need to understand it. I'm not your prodigy pulling things apart, pulling technology apart to understand it. I'm not mechanically minded like that. But if if there's, you know, something in the world that I don't understand, I am so prepared to be the stupidest person. I'm so prepared to be the idiot and say, I know nothing. And I think that's, that, that you know, I, I think that trait is something that, I'm seeing again in, in everybody I'm speaking to. 
I think it, in my experience with the conversations I have, I often find asking the stupid question, being the, the stupidest person in the room, allows everyone else to relax. Of course it does. You often find, you, you, I, I often, when I'm in my meetings, I go, I'm going to ask a stupid question, <laughs> um, but just, just bear with me. And nine times out of ten, no one knows the answer to that stupid question that I just asked. And they just never wanted to look stupid and exactly. ask Exactly, whereas I've, I've put myself forward and been the stupid one, and then allows everyone to go, oh, yeah, we should probably find that out, shouldn't we? Yeah. And I think coming at it from that angle, it disarms people, doesn't it? I think so. And I think also coming from PR marketing and business in general, uh, <laughs> stacked full of acronyms and, and you know, terminology that's almost designed in my mind to, to act as a veil and to act as a way to ensure to, to, to gatekeep knowledge. There's a fantastic, uh, there's a fantastic article knocking around on the internet, and it compares CEO speech mm. from the 1920s to the 2000s. Right? And in the 1920s, CEOs of companies just talked like an average Joe. There were no, there was no acronyms, no special language. And over the years, it's got more and more complex. So, you know, everyone talks about stakeholders and managing expectations, which are all just corporate buzzwords that don't mm. really mean anything and could be said in a, in a, in a much more basic way. Yeah. And it, they, they've noticed the trend over time because... Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. You want to gatekeep those those positions and almost it's a bit like the if you see someone walking in a white coat or they must be they Mm. must be superior is that ceos and and people high up have a different language and differentiates them from from us poor people and uh, just yeah just interesting just interesting how that goes across you know different industries i just want through our through conversations on this to simplify and to be the proxy for the audience who might not understand let's say I'm talking to Sean Conway and he talks about zone one training. It's for me to then contextualize and to, and to, and to be the stupidest person in the room and to say, what does that mean? Yeah. Well, a great example of that is I love it when the rugby world cups on. So I've played rugby since I was 11. Yeah. I don't know any of the laws. <laughs> I know just enough that I can get by, but I don't know them in detail. And, and when you watch rugby, normally the commentators just commentate. That's all they do because it's for the purists. In the Rugby World Cup, they know that a wider audience is watching. And then they break down. They go, the reason why that penalty is coming is because they did X, Y, and Z. And I go, brilliant. I didn't know that. It's helpful, isn't it? Yeah, it's really and it's helpful. To, to bring it to that new audience, as, as you say. Yeah, but it also helps me, who's played for 15 years or whatever it is, um, to be able to, to understand it better. Okay, uh, we will do another listener one. So we've got one from Mo, who uh, DM'd. 
I'm not a social Please. media person, but apparently DM'd he did. on, he Instagram. DM'd on Instagram. Yeah. Uh, so you ask all of your guests what success looks like to them. What does success look like to you? Now, I think you may have partially answered that in question two, but I think it'd be good to get it, get it again. At first, it was breaking a cycle. It was changing my... Sounds so corny, but it was changing my life. It was recognizing that people that grew up like I did and like people now still do, very often are doomed to repeat that cycle of violence, abuse, drugs, prison, crime, all these things. And success to me looked like that not being the case, first of all. And then that quickly became financial security which wasn't really, you know, you don't just go, put your finger in the end, you go, oh, I want financial security, thanks. Can I have one financial security, please? You know, you know. <laughs> Through hard work and determination and obsession and curiosity and all those things and resilience, and like I keep banging on about, I think, you, you know, you can get to it. And risk as well, you know, take a risk or two. You know, I started Radioactive, uh, Radioactive PR when I was 27. You know, that's, it's a risk. You know, you've got kids. I'm like, you know, what if this fucks up? It's like, well, I've realized, I was like, well, I'll just, I'm pretty good at this. People think I'm pretty good at this, at least. So I'll just go get a job. It's hard. I can't give a soundbite to it. It is recognizing joy. It is not pursuit of happiness, because I don't think you can endlessly pursue happiness and, and hope to just eternally be happy. I don't think that exists. I don't think that's realistic. It's to love and be loved, which is why I get me started this saying, you know, that we, you know, I'm not, I'm, I'm never going to be ashamed of, you know, affection for friends and family. Um, I think if you can love and be loved well, then that is success. It's funny because of all the people that I've spoken to, financial success was a motivation until it then wasn't. So that was, I was going to, I was going to lead on from from the question from Mo to say, does it evolve? Because a lot of people say, if I win the lottery, mm. I'm happy for life. Yeah, and I don't. And, and although that's that's probably very true, is that doesn't mean then you just sit down and watch TV for the rest of your life. You still oh. have to do something. So have you, so you obviously you said, and I think the financial security piece that you said is you've gone, right, I wanted to get away from all of this. Mm-hmm. And then you went, right, that, that kind of morphed into financial security because you realised that's what it was. Mm-hmm. Like they talk a lot about the reason why crime rates are high is because if you're, if you're poor, you're more likely to, to go down that road because there's no support for you. Mm-hmm. So if you've got money, you don't feel the need to, to then go, go and do those things. So, you know, it's almost a more mature view of how to get away from those things is to be comfortable and, and not be figuring out how can you keep your lights on. Yeah. So you achieve that. And then, and then obviously you've, you've now gone, right, I want to do something. I want to see I think it's, a, I mean, it's a privileged position to be in. I appreciate that. Christ, it, as I say, you can't just order one. It's then staying that. And, but it does give you the opportunity to make further risks. Which is why then you look at people that have grown up. It's so funny. You know, I used to look at what I deem to be more privileged people and think, you can't fail. You can't fail because there's always a, you know, there's always a safety net for you. And then you realize that that's very true. You know, for my children, my children will always be okay. I hope. You know, not, you know short of me doing something fucking very stupid. <laughs> but, you know, I've been running the company for nine years now. I will always make sure we're okay. But, you know, that's because there's, there's a safety net there. That's... It's a real privilege to have that. I think the one thing that needs to be said is it takes a lot of hard work, a lot of commitment, and a lot of risks that I think a lot of people aren't willing to to do. I mean, we'll, we'll eventually get onto it, but there's a fantastic quote in the Marnie Swindles episode. Um, I think you say, 
which is about living in a way that no one wants to yeah. to have a life that okay let's right i love that quote so let's get to it when we get to it um yeah, and, and that's and that's what you've done you know you are you were i was talking to you the other day and you were driving somewhere on holiday you were going away for a weekend but you were editing this podcast at the same time like obviously you weren't driving but you were in the passenger seat but you're in the car but rather than being in the moment of we're going on holidays no i need to get this done and i don't think a lot of people are willing to put their life on hold to such a degree to succeed yeah. now and it, you know it's a phase thing right you do all the hard work up front then it's management then maybe you eventually get to sit back until you find your next thing but i don't think people realize how much effort you put in to all the different aspects of your life and there's sacrifices right i mean that you know christ editing a podcast is not a hardship you know um being stuck on them like being, you know being stuck in security for 14 hours that's a job i wouldn't want do you know what i mean being doing the night shift in a care home that's a thankless job like getting kicked and spat out and you know and these are all i think what people especially in and around the, the profession i have ended up being in people they 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 lose sight of the privilege i mean privilege in the sense of like you know, look at what you do and what you get paid to do i'm endlessly grateful for you know the fact that i have been paid to and you know and we can still can you know work as difficult as the last few years have been in a position where i can get paid to the, the creativity the the, the silly things that my brain can conjure up and my collective team's you know, abilities can, can make happen. So. so we've got another one from LinkedIn. So from Paul, who's sent through something on LinkedIn. So it says, first up, congrats on a great series, Rich. Really enjoyed listening and love the contrasting guests. Boxer one week, celeb PR in the next. Love it. Question for you. The podcast was obviously born out of an interest in hearing how people started out and what drove them. But after speaking to your guests... Have they made you look at your own journey any differently? Have they said something about what drove them that made you take a step back and think, hang on a second, that has happened to me and I never saw it as a driving force in my journey? Cheers, Paul. One aspect sticks out and that is, I mean, of course, everybody's got very, very different ambitions, drives. And it took me a long time to accept that anger was mine because it seems counterintuitive it feels like something you shouldn't you shouldn't say out loud for a start a desire to prove people wrong a desire to say you know no i'm my own person and you know i'm not the sum of what you believe of my family and you know because that, that, that was an issue you know there's so much judgment and sometimes rightly so you know again, again you know, if, if anybody in my family listens to this they'll they'll probably smile as that said and it took me a long time to accept that anger was a big part of my drive. Marnie spoke to it. She said something, and you know, something I've half thought was that she doesn't know that she's ever going to be truly happy. I've said that a million times. You know, like to... to that goes back to your point around the pursuit of happiness... Isn't necessarily the goal, it's right? It's a hard thing, because also happiness shifts over time. Yeah, it does. You're right. And it's finding, it's finding joys. But it was... Like, I know even in doing this, it's been arguably successful, possibly even objectively successful. It doesn't fill me up though. You know, it is okay to, to still be, you know, in the pursuit of success. You know, I'm, let's say 36, I've got a load that I want to achieve. You know, my, my PR blog was the number one PR blog. Cool. So what? My book was a best-selling book. You know, and this all sounds like clangs and, and it, you're, you're nodding, but I say it and I can 100% look you in the eye and tell you that it didn't do anything. And, and I think a lot of people are trying to pursue success and those things that are objective successes 
you know, selling a company. So I've, I've spoken to people that have sold the companies for, you know, tons of money and are still incredibly unhappy. So I think what it's done is it's made me take a step back and think, okay, well, you know, we've made a ton of money through the agency. Wonderful, you know, and it's, it's, and it's great because money gives you security and, and the ability, as I say, the freedom to try other things. It's great. It doesn't fill you up. So I think speaking to these people, what, what it's done is it's made me realize that I'm not, as I was once called, heartless. Why doesn't all this stuff bother you? Just You're just heartless. And I was like, no, I'm just like, if I allow myself to get upset by these things, then there can be no progress. You know, I can't, I can't move. So I, I just think, I'm, I'm, you know, they say you're some of the people you surround yourself with, right? So it's like speaking to successful people is useful in the sense that it gets me to, okay, I'm not this really, you know, I'm, I'm not a freak for thinking, you know, in terms of, you know, right, drive always, keep moving always. And I think that's really helped me, if I'm honest. Now, so I've got some peek behind the curtain questions now. Okay, okay. So we've just got two left. So first one, so obviously we've, you've done the first season. Mm-hmm. So looking back on the first season, is there anything, obviously, you know, this is all new to you and we can see your sort of progress as you've gone through the interviews, but looking back across the whole season, is there anything that you'd have done differently? Yeah. Um, I would have spent, maybe I'd have done video from the off. Okay. Because social media promotion wise, it's relentless. And I, I joke in some of the posts that it must get really tedious seeing me crop up. I don't know if that's an insecurity or or not, but just seeing it pop up and being like, yeah, bloody Rich is talking about that podcast again. I mean, I've, I've seen people say things like that. Friends of mine have said, I saw it on LinkedIn. It was like, I can't bloody move for Rich banging on about this podcast. It's like, but I, you know, I remember coming to the industry and thinking nobody's going to cheerlead for me. Just like nobody has, you know, nobody's there if you're not there for yourself. So you've got to back yourself. But equally then I recognize that that can get irritating. I'm so much more comfortable promoting other people than I am promoting myself in this. Again, I'm not without ego. You know, that this isn't a, a sorrowful look at, oh, I just wish that I could say something nice about myself. It's not that. It's social media is tough and promotion is tough. And, you know, podcasts, there are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands, millions of podcasts. But we have gotten to the top 1%. It's not, it's not enough for me. You know, I want to be in the top, I want to be in the top charts. I want to be not leading news agendas. That sounds ridiculous. But I want to be drawing things out of, inspirational successful fascinating interesting people that do then resonate and you know reach a wider audience as a result so um, do you think it changes the dynamic video it does it does i find so i'm spend my life on teams Mm. and i find i'm not really me in front of the camera mainly because i can see myself Mm. i'm like a was it a cockatiel or something where i'm just staring at myself in the mirror (laughs) Um, but yeah, do, do you think that makes people a little bit more cagey because they're now well, it, worried it, about how they're presenting? It will change the dynamic, but the sad fact is, like, I think I, can, I hope that I can ease people into it. I mean, we see enough podcasts with video, right, where people yeah. clearly give enough of themselves that it, it works and can work. I just think from a social media content perspective, it gives you so much more. So I would change that if I had to pick one thing. But then other things, no, I've worked bloody hard on making this as good as it can be. And it's not as it's not where I want it, but I don't know if I've ever had anything where I wanted it. <laughs> um, right, last question. Um, so again, this is because I don't know anything about podcasting. What was the hardest part of setting up or like, you know, the technical side of... So the technical side actually 
is the is fairly easy. Again, I'm curious. I wanted to know what the best technical setup was. You know, the mixer I've got is is you know, is, is a recommendation that the mics are, and it's actually lovely because I've had people contact me since asking about the technical setup, and I can help them and send them links and all those things. You know, so that's that's been lovely. The hardest thing has been the sheer number of messages, the volume of contact that you have to have to make each guest happen. Right. Okay. So I'll, I'll go out. You know, I've got a nice network. Um, you know, I, I appreciate that my my phone book probably looks very different to most people's in terms of the the people that I can just pick the phone up to and say, "Hey, I'm doing this thing. You know, do you want to come and do it?" That's 15 years of working in an industry where we work with you know successful people, entrepreneurs, athletes, entertainers, philanthropists, as I always say, the kinds of people that I speak to. But fuck me, it takes a lot of work to make these things happen. If I was to guess, I reckon 30, 40 messages per person. And that's phone calls that's can we do that date no that changes can we do that date no that changes you know we've had a ton of things fall through i was sat in a recording studio we'll get onto this actually when we speak about one one of the other guests um, i sat in a recording studio that i was paying for and the guests by an hour still hadn't arrived and i was worried and you know, they they ended up not coming and still haven't come on only last week so went to the went to France for the World Cup final, as I said, with a few of our friends, and I got call. So I'd contacted everybody that I'd want that I wanted to speak to at that was coming to speak at the Cheltenham Literature Festival, and I'd pulled together a list of all their agents and contacted everybody's list of forty people or so. So I got lots of rejection. Working in PR is wonderful. The first phone call I ever made to a journalist to tell them about a client, the journalist said, "Oh, do fuck off," and just hung up on me. <laughs> I'm a master at rejection. I don't, it, you know, water off a duck's back in that sense. Getting told no. Christ, you tell me. For some reason, and this is... Oh, well, we, we all tell the kids, right? The worst thing they can say is no. Yeah, right, so what? And, you know, one of my dream guests is Darren Brown. You know that I've loved Darren Brown forever. I got, I know his manager-ish, uh, well enough to make an ask anyway. And it was incredibly humbling and and right before the podcast has even started. And he went, Rich, you don't have a podcast. <laughs> I was like, right, yeah, cool. And, and then in the back of my head somewhere, I'm going, he'll come on. He'll come on, he'll come on one day. So all the people that say no, I'm like, okay, that's a no for now. Yeah, absolutely. That's a no for now. Well, no, I, I think as well, one of the challenges is it depends whether they're in the middle of their press tour. Oh, it's like, because there's so many factors. celebrities don't necessarily want always want to just talk to somebody mm. then they're not desperate for attention all the time you yeah. find a lot of them if they've got a new project coming yeah. they'll go around and you'll see them exactly. pop, popping up on a number of podcasts and on a number of different tv shows because mm. they've got that thing to talk about yeah and so you just got to catch them at the right time haven't you? it's all timing it's all about timing and also of course having something that they feel is worth their while i contacted the actor brian cox's agents uh so succession he's logan Brown on succession he's a marquee tv show enormous so i got an email the Thursday. I was going to France on the Friday with friends. So going Friday, Saturday, come back Sunday. And got an email. Hey, do you want to speak to Brian Cox tomorrow in Bath? He's, you know, he's performing um, a, a play about Bach. And you, know, you, you get an hour with him in his dressing room. And of course, my mind starts worrying. I think, oh, A-list actor, Brian Cox. Kind of a big deal. Kind of a big deal. Um, it's super recognizable done everything right now uh he's i mean he's up there for with ian mckellen for me you know i know he's not a, a knight yet i mean in fact in, in my research 
he's been asked if he would want to be a knight. And he said, no, actually, I kind of even regret accepting my, you know, my honours before. I did it for my sister, who has now passed away. But she was a royalist and really loved all of that sort of pageantry. So he accepted his CBE, I want to say, for her. So I don't think he's the sort of person that would be knighted were he to, you know, wish to, to accept it. I was like, shit, this is a big deal. There's always a way. You'll always find a way. So I, and again, the privilege of being secure is that I can then book another flight. I'm not getting my money back on the other one. Book another flight for the next morning. Pay for a hotel for that night. Do all of those things. Only to then on Friday morning, get a call from his team saying, yes, sorry, didn't realize he's double booked. I must have stopped. I didn't talk for about 10 seconds as, <laughs> as the lovely lady said that to me because I've done a ton of research. I was up until about three in the morning that, you know, that night and I'd obviously changed things and told my friends that, you know, I was their lift to, to the airport. So I was still going to be doing that then going from Bristol to Bath, interviewing, come back to Bristol, staying at the hotel, getting up early, going, going over. So I'd, I'd miss a night. Been looking forward to going to, to France for, for, for ages. And then, yeah, for it to get cancelled, you just, I think what people might be surprised to know is that, for every single one of the guests that's happened in series one, there, there are hours and hours and hours of going back and trying to make it happen. It isn't just the case, even for people that I really know well, where I can pick up the phone and say, hey, can we do this tomorrow? And they say, yes. Or can we do this next week? Or when works for you? Because things shift, things change, and they invariably are busy people. They're successful people, which generally brings with it a degree of inflexibility and an understandable degree of inflexibility. You know, there have been so many that I've got excited about to then fall through or contact to stop and all of these things. So yeah, I think that's the behind the scenes, the hardest thing has been getting the guests to a position where we're sat like this recording. I, I ease the second that I sit down and I'm having a conversation, I'm looking them in the eye. I'm like, cool. And then of course I panic about technical things, which I know Ed has got. I know we're okay. You know, where I'm, I'm thinking, what if it just doesn't fucking record? What if this just doesn't, you know, am I just going to, like, we'll, we'll get back in this encrypted file or something you hit, like that. You hit stories, don't you? Oh, you do? You yeah, yeah, yeah. On other podcasts, we go, oh, we had to go back and re-interview this ah. person. <laughs> and like, and to, you know, to your Break point, my heart. it takes that long to get the first one. Yeah. Imagine having to ring up and go, sorry, it oh. didn't record. I mean, another one, I was, I, I, walk, I was walking through the door of the place where I was going to be interviewing Tom Skinner. So The Apprentice's Tom Skinner, uh, Bosch guy wonderful lovely man you know go and follow him he's, he's hilarious and then i got a call saying really really sorry we know that you're supposed to be interviewing him in half an hour or whatever it was but he's unable to make it i traveled to essex he was the only one luckily for the the one that i mentioned i was in the recording studio you know there was somebody else that i was driving across london to meet after that so you know there, there was there was you know it wasn't a wasted journey completely i drove all the way to essex you know <laughs> Um, taking a day away from work, all of those things to to go and get this, and then it just didn't happen. And it's heartbreaking, but it is what it is. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And you know, you've obviously got this list of people that that you know absolutely fit the bill for what you want. Yeah, you want Enorm- to to. I've got an enormous list. And you're yeah, you're ticking off the ones that obviously we we've heard mm. so far. And then yeah, you don't just because they you it's not worked out. They're, they're still on the list. Of course they are. And they'll be coming yeah. in, in in a few seasons' time or however it's, long it's, it takes. It's a, it's a no for now. That's how I look at it. I think you're going to want to be on it some stage. You know, I'll, I'll be useful to you in some way, shape or form. Or you'll, or you'll think, hey, that's a good conversation to have. For some of those people, that won't be true. But, you know, I, I don't know. There's, there's a lot of interesting people in this world. And a lot of, you know, a lot of people to talk to. So, yeah, I'm, I'm not worried about, 
I'm not worried in that sense. It's just, it's a lot of work. And I don't know if I knew that it would be this much. You've got guest bookers and things like that, that you know, I'm talking to and ways that we can you know, ease that process. But I love being the person to tell them what it is and why I'm doing this. It makes you wonder, because Joe Rogan almost says that he's responsible for all his bookings. I didn't know that. Yeah, he's, he's really? the one who greens like greens oh, like, he doesn't take recommendations. He's like, I want this person because I oh, find okay. them interesting. And so, based, I'm, I'm sure he's not the person sending thirty or forty emails. Well, that that then is, becomes my question, and and I imagine he may have been at one point, and at which yeah, probably point did, did that did that switch away. Yeah, I mean, I maybe mean, he probably doesn't get no's because he he, <laughs> he, he flies people out to Austin. So yeah, <laughs> you know, I don't a free think, holiday. Thanks for I much. don't think me saying, "Hey, I'll pay for pay for you to get to." To Gloucester has the same. Uh, it's, a, it's a historic, as, it's a, historic it's a beautiful city. place. As so, I, I mean, obviously, I've really tried to ensure, and I will continue to ensure that we have people from the city and the county represented on the podcast. I think it's important. You know, to me, I think we, you know, we just need to be positive. Um, on that note, are they all the questions? That's I all the questions. That's all the questions. Uh, let's take a quick five-minute break and then come back and talk about the guests we follow. nothing to say other than thank you very much for your questions again hello at starting nine pod.com starting line show across most of the socials say hey ask away if you're quick enough then we'll answer you in the recording tonight which will come out next monday and then we'll be taking a christmas break gonna be back in the new year with video incredibly excited and if you could all stop mobbing stokes please i'm sure he'd appreciate it Thank you. Have a great one. Have a nice weekend.